0: To lift hands, big victories. Where we provide the information that you need to create victories in the lives of the little ones you love and support. I'm your host, Candy, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a pediatric occupational therapist, a board-certified behavior analyst, an autism interventionist, and here to join me on this journey is my husband, my pastor, Greg. Greg, do you know how many hours a day an average child spends on mobile
1: devices? Man, I wouldn't have a clue.
0: Well, we will talk today about the pros and cons of technology, what the research says, and how we can use this information to make good decisions for our children and families. Well, do you know, Greg? Uh,
1: if I was guessing, I'd say maybe two.
0: Well, you're pretty close, I guess. It's more than two hours a day. In fact, it's more likely closer to five to seven hours a day, depending on the child's age. You know, Greg, I mentioned making good decisions for our family earlier.
1: Yeah, I do. What you and I have learned is that we need to be preemptive in our family decisions, right? Absolutely. When when we address issues in our homes, we have to be purposeful, unified in our decision. You know, kids can identify a weakness in parents. You know that. They are smart.
0: Yes, they are. And we have to admit that we've been played by our kids more than once. But as parents, it's our responsibility to educate ourselves with facts. And by using biblical principles, we can make good decisions.
1: I know. And, you know, it, it's not easy. Uh, You know me and you've made plenty of mistakes.
0: Yes, but through our podcast, we hope to support you as our listener to confidently create a strong compass for your family. There are many topics I hear discussed from the families I work with and in my job and in our ministry. Parents are just confused, and very often they're
1: actually scared. Well, yeah, but, you know, information on the Internet can be terrifying. You know, being a parent's not easy.
0: But, Greg... I know that bringing our concerns to God is always the effective first response, and we hope that our podcast will support that next response of diligently educating yourself in the many topics that affect our families today. So, Greg, let's go back and look at the early development of technology and television. So, way back in 1961, before you and I were born, there was an address, you know, like a speech given at National Association of Broadcasters Convention by a man named Newton Minow. And then he was the chairman of the FCC. And he coined a new term referring critically to the television industry. And you know what he called it? He called it then a vast wasteland. And that was in 1961. Greg, we're talking about Mr. Ed.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Andy Griffin, Twilight Zone, (laughs) Perry Mason, Captain Kangaroo... Bonanza, not bananza. <laughs>
0: I didn't say that. Huh. So what would Newton Minow say today
1: about the television industry? I imagine he would be probably be speechless. You get it? You said he gave a speech.
0: Yeah, you're one clever man. But mm-hmm. During that time, there was also research being conducted about how toddlers understand the TV screen. The children's content at that time was PBS. You know, Sesame Street. Did you ever watch that?
1: I love Snuggle snuff, Snuggle Puss. <laughs>
0: Snuffle <push. snuffleupagus. laughs>
1: What in the world was that?
0: Well, I think he was kind of a strange anteater looking creature.
1: Mm, I thought he was a hairy elephant. <laughs>
0: Anyway, in 1970, the average age of a child's first TV watching experience was four years old. And today, it's four months old. Listen, it's not uncommon for parents to tell me that their infant loves to watch TV and often identifies a particular show that they prefer. Greg, do you know which one it usually is?
1: Mm, Let's see. Sesame Street?
0: Kinda. It's Elmo. And I'm convinced it's because he is red, which is a preferred color of many of my little ones who are visually impaired. And he has that really cute baby voice. So early on, researchers looked at what makes a good preschool program. And what they found was, one, that was repetition. And two, it gave pause for children to respond. Do you ever watch Mr. Rogers?
1: Mm, yeah, sometimes.
0: Well, he always paused. And number three, warm and engaging programs. And number four, there was no violence or aggression.
1: Well, you know, and something I've learned is that neurologists and scientists believe that there's really something amazing, you know, going on in the brains of our little preschoolers at around 24 months.
0: That's right. Two-year-old brains are amazing. Researchers have found that at the time the synapses are in their brain, do you know what that is, Greg? I
1: think it's how nerve impulses travel, or basically how our brain communicates information at around mm, 24 months.
0: That's right. Those synapses grow unparalleled to any other time in a child's life. A newborn brain weighs 0.75. Five pounds and a two-year-old brain weighs 2.2 pounds.
1: Yeah, it triples in weight. That's right.
0: So researchers want to know how a little one understands the screen knowing that their brain is growing and learning at this high rate. And what they have found was when these toddlers watched TV scenarios with puppets, they were able to apply this information to real similar things. Scenario. So it was like this. There was these puppets that were hiding in a laundry basket. And then they gave a real scenario of them doing that. And they were able to imitate what they just saw on television. So this suggests that good or bad, children can and will apply what they see on TV to their real life experiences.
1: Well, that's interesting. But let's think about technology that does not apply those good qualities we discussed earlier. What about mm, overstimulation?
0: Hmm. Well, it's theorized that overstimulation leads to children who demonstrate poor attention to task. And specifically, they have shown that the more screen time a three-year-old experiences, the more likely the child will have attention problems at school age. And this increases by 10% with every increase an hour of screen time. That's called a direct relationship, Greg.
1: Well, that makes sense.
0: That's right. Many studies, not just this one, have shown that the greater the screen time, the greater the effect on school performance, attention deficits, problems with sleeping, a greater risk for obesity, and a greater risk for what is called video game addiction.
1: Oh, is that a real thing?
0: Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it is a real thing.
1: Why haven't I heard of it?
0: I don't know, but I'll tell you, rather I'll paraphrase what Douglas Gentile, the author of that study, said. And he said, The problem with getting this information out to parents is that the information is in scientific journals and most parents are not reading scientific journals. That's why Greg and I want to do all that we can to provide sound information like this to our listeners.
1: Uh, So how would a parent find valid information like that?
0: Well, in my opinion, the easiest way to go to that information is to go to Google Scholar and then type in the keywords. But be sure you look at the year the current article was published. And there's a lot to critiquing a journal article, but I look at the sample size. You want more than just a Few children in the study, and if the sample size is representative of the child or the group that I'm concerning about or the group that I'm treating. So, one good research on this subject is listed in the show notes. The sample size or the number of children studied was 2,441, which is a good number of kiddos. And I like this study because the assessment they use was the ASQ, and that's the ages and stages questionnaire which is used in many pediatrician offices, and it's demonstrated a nice high validity and reliability, and it covers five domains of child development. So by using this tool in research, they concluded that children with high levels of screen time exhibited poor performance on this developmental screening test.
1: Well... That's called an inverse relationship, right? That's
0: right. That means an increase in one variable causes a decrease in another variable. So, the American Academy of Pediatrics have recommended no screen time before 18 months, except for video chatting. Why do you think they made that exception, Greg?
1: So babies could FaceTime their papa? That's
0: right. They want to uh, reinforce good social interaction, eye contact, motor and vocal imitation. I could just go on and on. And they recommended less than one hour of screen time for children two to five years with co-viewing of high-quality media.
1: Co-viewing, not left to be watching by themselves.
0: Yes, for a million reasons. But let me tell you one reason that is one of the most disturbing things I found while researching this topic. It was a TED Talk I watched, and it was presented by a man named James bridal i'd encourage parents to watch this he describes the deranged motivation of many creators of youtube videos geared toward young children these individuals are basically preying on our little ones to gain views which is translated to money for the youtuber so what you see are innocent looking videos videos i see every week playing on family's big screen TV when I enter homes. Videos like The Finger Family. Do you know what that is?
1: Mm, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> well, it's millions of combinations of variations of the song Daddy Finger daddy finger that sounds weird doesn't it Mm. (laughs) there are videos of kids and adults playing video games of kids opening these surprise eggs unboxing toys it is just bizarre but you assume that these are all produced by people who want to educate or entertain little ones well not so during bridal's lecture he starts the youtube video on a very popular train song that teaches shapes and he allows this to continue on autoplay. I want you to remember that word, listeners, autoplay, because I want you to understand how dangerous this could be. So he continues to play this on autoplay, and he consistently found that by the 12th video, when allowed to continue on autoplay, which I didn't even realize was a thing, by the 12th video, typically there was a costumed character or a superhero performing some vulgar act that no parent
1: would approve of. So parents, uh, caregivers, you know, we, we have a great responsibility to protect our little ones from those whose interests, you know, are not as innocent as you might have Imagined.
0: That's right. There are disturbingly creepy people out there, and we have to keep them far away from our little ones. So Greg, I typically love technology when it's used appropriately, when it comes to the little ones that I work with. And in my world, we call this assistive technology. So assistive technology refers to any tool or item that enhances the learning, the mobility, or the communication skills of the individual. And I believe technology is an amazing modality for language for children with special needs. And in my field, we call these augmentative and alternative communication, or AAC. C devices. This technology has come a long way since I've been a therapist. With my little ones with autism and other special needs, I've seen an amazing opportunity for children to use these devices to express themselves and literally shock the pants off me and their family when they use words and phrases that they've never spoken before. And I don't waste time. Remember what we said about those synapses?
1: Yes, they build They build brains.
0: That's right. And I believe that all areas of development, including communication, there are these windows of opportunity that open up, and we need to be ready to support our little ones in passing through these windows with success. So I encourage my families to introduce technology at 18 months for certain little ones.
1: Well, that seems awful young.
0: It is young. But... 18-month-old babies have a lot that they want to communicate. Families with children with autism and motor delays can present technology in a very consistent and structured way early on with limited access, using parental controls, using accessibility features such as guided access that are already present on Apple devices. I have families try these apps such as GoTalk or Proloquo2Go, and for certain little ones, I don't waste time and our team will contact a vendor such as Dynavox and I don't get anything from talking about Dynavox, but I just like them. I've liked their product for years. And as therapists and individuals who care deeply about the rights and the ethics of children, we just want to give them a voice. I want my little ones to be able to request desired items, actions or events. I want them to be able to make choices or even reject items that they don't want. Giving a child a voice often replaces challenging behaviors. Or tantum behaviors, and gives them the opportunity to control a piece of their world. When so many times their motor or their developmental or cognitive challenges have limited their abilities. So, Greg, I'm going to ask you to comment on how we can take this a step further and add God's word to this topic. But first, we are a new podcast, so I'm going to propose a call to action to my listeners. So, if you could screenshot the image of you listening to this podcast and post it with the hashtag. Little Hands Big Victories, we would really appreciate it. We want to know who is listening, so thanks so much. So, Greg, how can we relate this information to biblical principles and values we want to pass on to our little ones?
1: You know, there's good and evil in this world. And we have a great responsibility to protect our children. You know, the Bible says in Mark ten fourteen, Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven.
0: You know, that scripture reminds me that children have a value and have access to Jesus and have a voice, regardless of their special needs or their age.
1: Well, you know, Proverbs 22 and 6, you know, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it.
0: Mm, Wow, that's a promise to us, isn't it, Greg?
1: Yes, one we've stood on and continue to stand on even today.
0: It's a great responsibility to be diligent in training up a child.
1: Yes, and the Bible is just full of Scripture. You know, Deuteronomy 6 and 7 goes on to say, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, Mm -hmm. and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up.
0: Mm -mm. This really alludes to what modern parents refer to as teachable moments. Way back then, God knew that we have to be consistent to teach our children and every situation.
1: Yes. You know, God encourages us to be diligent and ever-present to guide and instruct them. In fact, in Deuteronomy 11 and 19, it says the Bible says to write it, to write God's word on your doorpost and on the gates. Symbolizing in families' entrance and exit God commands us to guide and guard our children You know, it's like a firewall of protection With God's protection and our activity And our activity, excuse me And our participation and guidance
0: That's right Wow, you said a firewall I like that analogy, and I love those words in the Old Testament. I can just visualize God's plan for us, as parents and caregivers, to be both protector and teacher in every moment.
1: Amen.
0: Greg, guess what time it
1: is? Oh, what time is it?
0: I'll give you a hint. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that he will see your good works and glorify your Father.
1: and We're so glad that you joined us today to learn about important topics that affect our little ones and to create big victories in lives of those you love.
0: At the end of every episode, we will have a Let It Shine moment where we spotlight a ministry, support a different outreach opportunity. And today we would like to support Just4J. So just for j raises awareness for Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease while giving back to children faced with medical challenges. And Just4J strives to support and provide necessary equipment and opportunities to fulfill dreams that otherwise may not be possible. Greg and I personally know a family who has been blessed by the generosity of this ministry. You can go to their website at wwwjust 4 And learn how you can participate in a number of upcoming giving and volunteer opportunities.
1: Speaking of giving, what are we giving away?
0: Well, I'll tell you. We will be giving away a small surrender cross created by Rad Joy. At Radjoy, their mission is to create beautiful and purpose filled Christian products that help others and radically deepen their faith as they joyfully walk with the Lord. Greg, I met Jackie at a conference and I've been to their home. Her husband, Rick, is literally crafting these gorgeous items in his garage. This family prays over each item. And if you go to their website, rad-joy.com, they have a sweet, moving video testimony about how God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Our ever-faithful God tends to do that, doesn't he, Greg?
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. he does. We have one of these in our church, don't we, honey?
0: Yes. And remember how very special that New Year's service was, where we had each person surrender a burden written on a piece of paper, and then they placed it on that cross. It was such a beautiful symbol of just leaving our heaviness at the feet of Jesus. That was God's plan for us, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Sometimes, you know, we need a visual reminder. And this was a very powerful way to do that. That's right.
0: So um, find out how you can be blessed with this giveaway at our website, littlehandsbigvictories.org or on our Facebook page.
1: Thank you again for joining us as we create big victories in the lives of the ones we love and support. Amen. God bless you. Oh, <laughs> oh,